Each spring, CMC hosts its annual Maximum Man Conference. This two-day, men-only event is designed to equip, empower, and encourage men. Now, enjoy this message from Associate Pastor Paul Kern. Well, I want to dive into what I'm going to be talking about with you in this session. And uh, I just first off want to tell you guys, you know, how glad we are that you made the trip. You know, I know some guys here drove long distances to be here. And um, we just really appreciate you taking the time to come. And our goal uh, in this conference is to really encourage you and to motivate you and to send you back refocused uh, and really ready to engage in the things that God has called you as a man to engage in. Uh, my, my mission this morning is to talk to you about how a maximum man responds to discouragement and disappointment. You know, men, we all encounter this, right? I mean, this is just a part of being a man. It's, it's just what we have to deal with as men and, you know, being a man can be hard sometimes. It can. It, it requires a lot from you to be a man. But a discouraged man is a man who is deterred from his mission that God has given him to do. And I really want to speak to your heart this morning, and I really want to connect with everyone in this room on a heart level today. So I'm, I'm really asking for your attention this morning as I talk because during times of discouragement, you can lose your confidence in God, His provision, His promise, His calling on your life. And the truth is, being a man requires us to face some really tough things in life from time to time. Discouraging times of stress and trial are not wrong. And I think for some men, it's like, well, you know, I'm not supposed to be discouraged. I'm not supposed to be disappointed. That's not being a man. No, that's all a part of being a man. I mean, all men, all people really face discouragement and disappointment, but it's how you choose to respond to it that makes the difference between a minimized man and a maximum man. And I know that if we... If we take the wrong attitude towards certain circumstances that are taking place in our life and that attitude persists, then that can bring on a lot of other problems in our lives. You know, and whether you're a student in school or whether you're a young person with your group of friends or whether you're a single man uh, navigating college or you're a married man with a family, you know, how you choose to respond has so much to do with your outcome. And every man, young or old, has to learn that your joy comes from delighting yourself in the Lord, not delighting yourself in happy circumstances or the positive responses of people. Because that just isn't always going to happen. See, a maximum man, and here's one of my big points, and I'm just going to hit it right off the bat this morning as I'm talking. No man will sustain himself without learning how to derive his joy from his relationship with God. Bottom line, 
And so I want every man in here to understand today that, that manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. They're synonymous. They're one and the same. You know, when we look at Jesus, we get the pattern for the ultimate man. I mean, right? Jesus was the maximum man. There, there's no greater man than Jesus. And so when we look at Jesus, we can see the ultimate man. We can see the maximum man. And I want you to understand today, as we look at Jesus, we see that Jesus drew his strength and his joy, even in the midst of all the, the setbacks and the, the stress and the pressure and the things that were pulling on Jesus and all the difficult things he faced, even the cross, even feeling forsaken by his Father, what Jesus did is Jesus learned to derive his strength and his joy from his relationship with God. Because the fact is, men, your spouse can't give that to you. As much as she tries, and I'm sure there's some men in here who have some awesome wives. I have an awesome wife. My wife is a huge blessing in my life, but she can't do that for me. Your kids can't do that for you. You young men in here, your parents can't do that for you. Your friends can't do that for you. See, your co-workers can't do that for you. Now, they can help you. They can encourage you. They can bless you. But you have to understand that one of the biggest lessons in life that you can learn from facing discouragement and disappointment is this. And I want you to get this here today. It can reveal hidden bad attitudes in a man. You know, this past year has been, a, in 2016, it was a difficult year for me. A lot of stress, a lot of struggles, a lot of disappointments, a lot of things happened in my life. But my goal was to say, okay, God, I want to navigate this as a maximum man. I want to come out on the other side of this a more purified man, a holier man, a more powerful man, a more steadfast man, a man with a deeper foundation and greater influence. And so one of the things that God began to do in my heart is he said, okay, Paul, here's what we're going to do then. We're going to begin to allow this discouragement and this disappointment to begin to probe your heart like a flashlight. And I'm going to begin to reveal things about your attitude and about how you think and how you face disappointment and discouragement. And I'm going to begin to teach you if you can see past your present circumstances. Are you hearing me, man? If you can see past your present circumstances, your current situation. Because what happens is with the enemy... The enemy wants to move you into a place of pain so that he can diminish your purpose. I'm going to say that again. The enemy wants to move you into a place of pain so that he can diminish your focus. But see how many of us allow ourselves to complain and murmur when things don't go the way that we wanted it to go. I mean, I wish that life always didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, but it just simply doesn't always go the way I want it to go. You know, you bid on a job, and you didn't get the bid. You hoped for the advancement, you didn't get it. You studied hard for the test, and you thought you had an A, and you made a C. You know, you, you went to your wife, and you 
had it all thought out in your head and you said it and, and then she didn't respond the way that you thought she would and things just fell apart and on and on and on. As men, we all face these discouraging moments. But it's how we choose to respond to these things that are so pivotal for us as men and it will determine whether or not we're going to move into a greater anointing and a more powerful influence or if the devil's going to move us out of that place of influence into a place of pain where all we focus on is the bad, the evil, the disappointment, the discouragement. See, the enemy wants to magnify that in our life and make that the thing that every morning is what we wake up to and we think about. Instead of thinking about, God, you got a plan for me. You're going to use me. You're going to move me into greater influence. You've got more things for me to do. And through this, you're going to bring me out on the other side. Can I have an amen? Wednesday night, I shared a testimony and um, I asked Jason, our children's pastor and one of our worship leaders in our church, Jason Ross, he's here with us this morning. I asked Jason if I could share a little bit of his testimony, and he said absolutely. And I, I just want to use this to encourage uh, some of you men here today. And the reason I'm sharing it is because I was really connected in this testimony, kind of interwoven into this um, journey that Jason went through several years ago. Uh, Jason came here to our internship at Applied Life, and, you know, at that time, boy, he was just such a different person. I mean, he's just a completely different guy, a guy who really had a lot of rejection in his life and uh, just lacked confidence, low self-esteem, lots of hurts, lots of wounds, couldn't even really look you in the eye. And, you know, one of the, one of the big issues that Jason had in his life was a broken relationship with his father, and, of course, you know, we've heard Pastor Tim and Pastor Dave both talk about um, how so many men, their lives are broken and how that just creates a generational curse all down the line. And so Jason had a father who was addicted to drugs as he was growing up and his dad was in and out of jail his whole life. As a matter of fact, when Jason came to school here, his dad was in jail. And so his dad just would make one empty promise after the next empty promise, and these things were just never fulfilled, and it really gave Jason even more reason just to, just to hate him. He, even fights that resulted in physical altercations. You know, it's just an ugly, ugly, hurtful relationship. It's everything opposite of what a father-son relationship is supposed to be. So when Jason came here and, and God got a hold of his life and he got saved, and man, God just began to do some radical work in his life and begin to turn everything around. And, and Jason, through the, the renewing of his mind and the healing of the Holy Spirit, Jason decided, instead of hating his father for who he was, is that he would begin to pray for his father to become the man that he wanted him to be. And from that moment on, Jason began to pray for his dad. Every night before he went to sleep, he would pray for his dad in some form or fashion. He would lift his father up. Sometimes he would pray and he would get a good report. Sometimes he would pray and, you know, he would hear a bad report about his dad. Most times he would pray and, you know, in the next few days he would hear that his dad was back in prison again because he was in and out often. Well, in Jason's senior year of high school, his dad was arrested and, um, you know, just this, this whole process of God moving in Jason's life. And <clears throat> when his dad was in prison, 
he met some men there who were Christians. And I really believe this is a result of Jason praying. And this, these Christian men began to influence Jason's father, and Jason's father came to know Christ. And God did this incredible work in his dad's life. I mean, really, a, a really powerful, real heart change in this man. And I want to read to you a letter that Jason's father wrote to him. He said, Jason, I'm so proud of the man that you've become. Before I got arrested, I was not happy, nor did I allow God to fully work in my life. I knew all about God, but I did not have an intimate relationship with God. And I've used this time in jail to put myself through a sabbatical. I study the Bible and other books four to six hours a day. I've been doing this for five months. I'm also attending church here three times a week. Jason, my nickname here is The Preacher. I hold devotionals in my cell for other inmates. God has done some amazing things. I've seen hard criminals break down and cry, repent, give their lives to the Lord right in my cell. I'm in jail, but I'm happier than I've ever been before. God has allowed me to blossom where I've been planted. I know my convictions don't mean anything unless I hold up under pressure, and I can't wait to show you who God has made me when I get out. What a powerful testimony of what God can do even in the midst of discouragement and disappointment. You know, we become responsible, men, to do what God has showed us to do. And failure to obey will result in judgment and it will condemn us. And as we're men in this room here today, some of you men have children at home, some of you young men are in places of responsibility in your schools and on your college campuses and on the job, and when God begins to deal with us in the areas of discouragement and disappointment, our response is going to determine whether we're going to move into a blessing or our disobedience is going to move us into judgment and condemnation. And our job is to make sure as men that we allow the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts and move us into that place in healing and relationship with God that he wants to do in our lives. You know, Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the, listen to this, strategies of the devil. And I want you guys to know, Every man here in this room today, the enemy has a strategy against you. A strategy of hurt, disappointment, discouragement. His strategy in your life is to cause you to become more focused on your disappointment and your suffering and your pain and your frustration than God's purpose and God's plan and God's call on your life. Because if you lose sight of that, if you, lose, if you lose your vision for where God's taking you, then what the enemy has effectively done is he's caused you to become stuck in the quicksand in that area of your life. See, God wants to move you out of pain and in to influence. He wants to make you take your focus off of your struggle and put your focus on him and what he's wanting to do in you, through you, and for you. And see, if you can get in a place where the enemy does not have you bound up, then you can be moving to a place where you become a maximum man and God 
begins to use you, and that's God's goal for your life. See, God wants to maximize your manhood, but the enemy wants to minimize it. And your purpose, and I, and I, I just want to sh- throw a f- few things out for you, and I encourage you to write these down. Here's, here's some of your um, intentional things that God wants you to be as a man. Number one, a dependable man. Dependable. Number two, an integrous man. You have integrity. Number three, a loyal man. You're loyal to your friends. You're loyal to your companies that you work for. You're loyal to your mate. You're loyal to your church. A committed man. In other words, you're somebody that can be counted on. You're there, you're there all the time. You're committed. A faithful man. Man, how important is it we have men who are who are faithful, a faithful man, a truthful man, that people know that when they get around you, you're going to be truthful. You're not going to lie. You're not going to make things up. You're not going to cheat them, but you're going to be truthful in everything that you do. You're a passionate man. In other words, you're passionate about life. You're not, you, life hadn't beat you down. Life hadn't brought you to a point where it's just beat all your excitement and the passion out of you, but you're a passionate man. I like this one. You're an anchor man. You're an anchor man. In other words, you're a fixed point. You're a fixed point. You're, you're a man that other men can look to and they can know. There may be a whole lot of their friends that may fall away or they may have friends that they can't count on. One day they're up and one day they're down. One minute they're doing good and the next minute they're not. But they know that you, regardless of what happens... Regardless of what comes your way, they know that you are going to be an anchor man. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get discouraged. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get disappointed. There's nothing wrong with that. But they know that you're going to navigate that because you have a relationship with God and you're going to be an anchor man. And lastly, you're going to be, and this is probably the most important one out of all of these guys, is you're going to be a spiritual man. My heart's cry and, and the leadership here in this church, we, we, we've got it in us, guys. We're wanting some spiritual men. We got men that can be tough. They can dip. They can chew. They can cuss. They can go to the ball games. They can do sports. They can hunt. They got all that down. But we're looking for some men that can be some spiritual men. Once again, I believe that manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous I believe they're one and the same. And you look at Jesus Christ. He was the most spiritual man who ever walked on the face of the earth. The Bible talked about many times Jesus would pull away from people and he would go and pray. He'd get along with his father and he would tap into that spiritual power that God had available for him. And Jesus was that spiritual influence. See, we have to navigate these moments of discouragement. We have to navigate these moments of disappointment because a man has to carry... His family. A man has to carry his friends. You young single men in this room today, you listen to me. So vitally important that you are the guy that carries your group. You're the one that's going to influence. They're getting ready to go see this movie, and you're the guy that's like, man, I don't think we ought to go see that. They're getting ready to participate in this activity or watch this YouTube video or watch this meme or whatever, and you're like, I don't know, guys. I don't know if I want to be that guy that's going to do that. 
You know, you've got to be that guy that is a spiritual guy that people can depend on. We have to be the men that are the stability in our homes. You know, this past year with a lot of the things that I've faced, you know, I, some, some really important things came to my mind. Yes, I mean, I was dealing with hurt and things that I dealt with, but at the same time I was thinking about, okay, I got a lot of people watching me. I got a lot of people watching me. I got people on social media. I got people in my family. I got people outside of my family. I got people in my church, hundreds of people in my church that live life with me. I got young people that come to our camps. I've got hundreds and hundreds of people watching me. And I think as men, we ought to carry the burden of that responsibility. I think as men, well, Paul, I just can't shoulder that. You don't have to shoulder that. God will shoulder that. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we cast our cares off on him, and then the grace of God empowers us. Even in our most difficult moments, God's grace empowers us to be that stability for our families. People are influenced by our attitudes every day. I have people come up to me. There's a man here in our conference. Yesterday evening, he came up to me. He said, Paul, I just want you to know. And he does this a lot. He, he, he encourages me, and I appreciate that. But he said, man, I just want you to know, you, Tim, David, Josh, you guys in our church, you changed my life. And he's always encouraging me and thanking me. He said, the messages that y'all preach and what you did, what you talked about last Wednesday night on prayer, I mean, it's just, it's just changed my life. And, I, and I'm grateful for that. But you know what? All of, every man in this room ought to be hearing that. You ought to be hearing that from your family. You ought to be hearing that from people that you work with. You ought to be hearing that from your friends. That ought to be a burden and a responsibility that you have on your shoulders that I'm going to be that man. I'm going to be that difference maker. I'm going to be that point man. I'm going to be the guy that's going to make a difference. Who's going to be the man that people can look to? Who's going to be the man that people can depend on? Who is going to be the man that people draw their standard from? Because the fact is, guys, you know, it'd be great to say that, you know, most people look at the Bible and they derive their standard off of the Bible. But the truth is they don't. People look at other people and they derive their standard off of them. And I take it very seriously, the people that I hang around, and I take it very seriously how I influence them. I think we all should, amen? I think that's something that we all should take on and really make that a point in our life. Like I said, discouraging times of stress and trial, they're not wrong. I'm not condemning anyone here if, if you're going through that. We, we all go through that. You may be in the middle of it right now here today. I'm empathetic to your pain. I am. I understand that pain. Discouragement, disappointment, you know, it never stops to ask you, um, is this a good time in your schedule if I were just to interrupt your life right now and bring a big disappointment and a big discouragement to you? That's not how it works. Usually you're engaged in life, you're busy, you're working, you're doing your thing, and all of a sudden a major train derailment happens in your life. That's the way it works. But we can't allow disappointment and discouragement 
to become an excuse for us to allow life to defeat us. God's called us to be victors, not victims. See, the enemy is out to diminish our manhood. And he does that through discouragement and disappointment. That brings confusion. It brings distractions. It brings all these falsehoods into our minds. The enemy tries to position you against God, against God's goodness, against God's sovereignty. He tries to position you against people, your loved ones. He begins to say all kinds of lies in your mind to try to get you off track from what God has called you to accomplish. Like I said, I understand hurt. I understand pain. I'm familiar with it. I understand disappointment. I understand discouragement. I get it. And the fact is today, I don't know what you've been through. A lot of you men that are here today and you're visiting us, I have no idea what you've been through. I don't know what you're facing or what you're going to face in the days to come. But what I do know is what you determine, what, what you take away as a conclusion, what's your response to what life does to you when life hurts most has everything to do with the lens that you choose to see life through. Everything. And if I could boil down my message today to just, to just one sentence, if I could just bring it down to one thing, I would challenge you to look at disappointment and discouragement through this lens. Are you ready? Here it is. Disappointment and discouragement is not an obstacle to you being used by God. It is an opportunity for you to be used like never before. And see, as a maximum man, you've got to recover from what happened to you. You've got to recover. You've got to heal. You're here. You can't, you can't live on the couch in depression. You can't live life in constant anxiety. You can't live in constant fear. You know, you had a loss or something took place and now you live in constant fear and you try to protect everything. You can't live like that. See, that's the lens. See, you have to pre-decide that you're going to look at discouragement and disappointment through that lens. In other words, men, listen to me. Let God use your pain. Let God use your pain. Let God use your pain. Don't allow pain to make you an instrument for the devil in your family, to bring strife into your home, to bring depression into your home, around your friends, at your office. See, one of the powerful ways to move through hardship is to believe that inside any pain that we face, God has implanted power. Yeah. It's kind of like being in prison and somebody bakes you a cake and they send it to you and there's a file inside of it. That's how God packages pain. See, whatever God has allowed you to come uh, through, whatever God has brought your way, it's really an honor in disguise to be trusted with suffering. And I'm not trying to sound insensitive today at all. I'm not trying to be insensitive to what you're going through. Charles Spurgeon said, God gives his most difficult assignments to his most trusted soldiers. And that's what we got to be. 
we got to be those men that no matter what life brings our way, that God can be the one that counts on us. God can be the one that trusts us. Go with me to Luke chapter 13. And I want to look at a scripture here. It's a parable of a barren fig tree. Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Jesus is teaching. Then Jesus told this story. He said, a man planted a fig tree in his garden, and he came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But, it was always, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years. There hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. And the gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it some special attention and plenty of fertilizer. And if we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. So here we have this garden. We have a gardener owner. We have a vine dresser, and we have a tree. And within this garden, this tree is expected to bear fruit. As a matter of fact, it says that the, the vineyard owner has come three years in a row, and he's expecting this tree to have fruit on it, and this tree has no fruit. And so he says, you know what? Cut it down. Cut it down. It's time for that to go. But the vine dresser says, he says, hold up. Let me give this tree some special attention. Let me, let me dig around the roots and, and let me fertilize it. And then after that year, if it doesn't bear fruit, then, then okay, we'll, we'll cut it down. You know, and I, as I was reading this, I was just asking God, okay, God, teach me what you're doing, and, 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 you know, I Googled, and I read a couple of things, and one of the things that I read, it said that um, God was the gardener, and, and um, Jesus was the vine dresser. But as I, as I looked at that, I thought, well, that doesn't really make sense. That's, that, 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 that doesn't line up with God's nature. That's not how God is. God wouldn't come, you know, I think God says, I'll, I left the 99 for the one, you know, so that didn't line up for me, and I thought, that, that, that's just not, that's not, that's not theologically correct. And so I just began to look more into it and, and try to focus on it more. And, and it, the more I looked at it, the more it began to make sense to me. As you look at this story and you see this tree, the tree is us. And God expects us to bear fruit as men. But there's things in life that happen, men, that can affect our fruit-bearing ability. Amen? And so, there's two attributes here. I believe that justice is the vineyard owner, and I believe that mercy is the vine dresser. And God's justice requires that, as men, we bear fruit. And so justice comes, and he, he looks, and he sees, and he says, this guy's not, he's not bearing fruit. This tree's not producing. 
In my justice, let's cut it down. Let's make room for another tree that will bear fruit. But then, but then grace, mercy says, hold up. Hold up. I know your justice has to be satisfied. And, and you know, the fact is, guys, justice is right. We, we ought to bear fruit. We ought to be men that are bearing fruit in our homes and in our churches and on our college campuses and in our schools. We ought to be bearing fruit. Justice requires that. We, I understand that. That makes perfect sense to me. But grace says, hold up. Hold up. Let, let, me, let, me, let me begin to work with this tree. You know, as a matter of fact, I looked in the King James Version. And I want you to hear what the King James Version says. It says, He spoke also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. And then he said unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year, also till I shall dig about it and dung it. I shall dig about it and dung it. We all know what dung is. Manure. You know, when I begin to think about that, I begin to think about in life. Man, there's just some things, there's, it's just dung. It's all it is. It's manure. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants it. But it's very interesting that, that this vine dresser says, hold on. Now, I, I, I know it's in a season of, of being barren. I know it's in a season that it's, it's not pro- producing. But, but let, me, let me dig around this tree. Let, let me begin to remove the things on the surface. And let me dig down into those, into those roots. Let me go deep into the heart of this tree. And let me put some dung in there. And then let's give it a year and see what it produces. You know, and you may be in here today, and, and you know, you may feel like that God's just dumped a whole load of it on you. But man, I want you to understand that God knows how to use bad things in our life to fertilize us, to make us stronger, to make us more resilient, to make us bear more fruit. And God's all into us bearing fruit. God wants us to bear fruit. In His justice, He expects us to bear fruit. But over here in God's grace, in God's mercy, God's going to work with you and move you into a position where He can get you to a place where you're bearing fruit again. Because God does not want you to live a barren life as a man of God. And today, I really want to encourage you. I understand loss, hurt, disappointment. Things didn't turn out like you hoped it would. You had dreams. You had expectations. They didn't go the way that you 
had planned for them to go. You were working that deal. You had given yourself to it. This is really what you were planning to have happen. And then the whole thing just, it just seemed to fall apart. See, we can't pick our battles, men. We can't pick our storms. But here's what we can do. We can determine how we're going to respond to those things that happen in our lives. See, God is looking for some maximum men. Men whose roots go deep. Men, when the storms of life come, yes, they're, they're going to bend. They're going, they may lose some leaves. Some, some fruit may fall off. Some hard times are going to come. But they're going to be men that are rooted deeply in the soil of God's love. And they're going to allow the things in life that happen to them to be fertilizer for God to take you, come on, for God to take you to another level in your walk and your influence with Him. See, that's the kind of man that you have to be determined that you're going to be. Because if not, you're going to be a barren tree planted in a vineyard, and you're an encumbrance to the soil. My question to you today is, are you an encumbrance to the soil of your home? Are you an encumbrance to the soil in your school? Are you just taking up space in your workplace? Are you just an encumbrance to your marriage? Are you an encumbrance in your relationship with your fiancé or your girlfriend? Or are you a man who is bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? And see, here's the thing. Here's the great thing about a tree that bears fruit. Many people can eat of its fruit. See, I'm determined that I'm going to be a man that's going to be a place where people can come and rest under the shade of my life. And they can pick fruit from my tree and they can eat and they can be refreshed and they can be encouraged and they can be renewed and they can find strength and they can regain direction and they can find a, a man that's going to be stable and strong despite what comes or despite what goes. See, that is what a maximum man is. As I close today, I think about Jesus on the cross. I mean, the cross speaks to me. I don't know about you, but it speaks to me big time. I look at Jesus on that cross. You talk about a man. Wow. I mean, Jesus, he so challenges me. Because I see a man nailed to a cross. He hasn't slept for a couple of days. He's bled so much blood out of his body. He's been beaten, he's been whipped, he's been spit on, he's been made fun of, he's been ridiculed. The hate that was around Jesus' life, the hate, the haters, the people that were around him, the death that was around Jesus, and he hangs on that cross, and all of heaven closes the curtain. It turns its back on the Son of God. And Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And almost in the same breath, now hear this, men, almost in the same breath, Jesus looks down at his half-brother and he says, take care of mom. Yeah. 
He's dying. He's suffering. And Jesus, as a man, he says, I still have a responsibility as a man, even though I'm dying, even though I've suffered. Paul, I'm just going through some hard things. Man, I want to be there for my family, but it's just taking me out. I'm just, Paul, you just don't understand. They hurt my feelings. You just don't understand the pain, the loss, the disappointment. What what, what I'm telling you is, yes, I do understand. I do understand because I've been there. I know. Don't tell me I don't understand. I understand. See, I'm I'm not telling you something today I read from a book. I'm telling you something today I've lived. And man, what I'm telling you is the grace of God can empower you even in your most difficult, discouraging moment and disappointment. The grace of God can empower you to have the power of Jesus in your life. And you can, even in the midst of difficulty, take care of your business. See, God is looking for some men who are going to take care of their business. This happens, that happens, this happens, that happens. But you still got to take care of your business. And today I want to challenge you. I'm challenging you in here today in a good way. I'm encouraging you here today in a good way. From the youngest man in here to the oldest man in here. We all have a calling. We all have a purpose. We all have a responsibility, each and every one of us. We all have that little pond of influence that God has given us to create ripples in. And the question is, are we creating those ripples? Well, all I got to do is look at Jesus on that cross. And I can be reminded, you know what? I can do it. You know why, men? Because Jesus overcame the world. And if Jesus overcame the world, then guess what? I can overcome the world too. You can overcome the world too. Greater is he, come on, help me, that lives in us. Come on, help me. Greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. Jesus said, in the world you will have persecution. You will have tribulation. You will have discouragement. You will have setbacks and pain. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. A maximum man is a man that overcomes the world with God's help. Can I have an amen? Amen. You guys stand with me this morning. We're going to take a break. Let's just pray together real quick. Because I believe I was speaking to some men here this morning, and I don't want to cut short what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in you and for you today. So if that's you, I just want you to really focus in right now for just a minute. Because I believe there's some men that came here with some real hurt. I believe there's some men here who have really been struggling. And you know who you are, and I'm speaking to you. There's some men here that your mind hadn't been where it needs to be. You've been disengaged. You've been wounded. You've been hurt. You're distracted. And life's done it to you. But today, God wants to realign you. And that's what God can do. God's the, the realigner. So if that's you, I just want you to just, by faith, reach out. 
And I want to pray over you. Father, right now, this morning, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these men. God, I pray the anointing of healing on their life. And God, I pray that the words that I spoke will be words right to their heart. And God, that it will bear fruit in their heart. It will be revelation to their mind. And God, it will move them out of a place of despair into a place of prosperity. God, it will move them to a place of healing, renewal, and encouragement. Father, today, at the sound of my voice as I pray for these men, today I pray that these men are released. And if you're here this morning and, and man, things are going great for you, man, I ask you just right now to partner with me in prayer and pray for these men that are struggling here today. That's what brothers do. God, I pray right now, we're not praying, God, that our circumstances change, but God, we're praying that our hearts change. And as our hearts change, God, our lives will change. And as our lives will change, people around us are going to be influenced and things are going to begin to change. So, Father, I just ask that you touch these men, heal their hearts, heal their lives, and bring renewal to them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, Amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. Stay connected with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Download the CMC app by searching Christian Ministries Church in the App Store for iOS and Android. For more information about CMC and upcoming events, go to cmchurch.com.